Welcome to Waiting for Review, a show that follows the journeys of two iOS developers. I'm Dave Wood, an iOS developer in Wellington, New Zealand. And I'm Dave Knott, an iOS developer from Devon, England. Join us as we discuss the development, code and technology of our journeys. I'm a little bit disappointed that I got my GPU panic actually just before the show started. Yeah. I, I don't know. I had, I had a theory that ever since I replaced the battery on in my MacBook on Friday afternoon, I haven't had a GPU panic. And I was like, oh, maybe maybe that's what it was. Maybe the battery was sending some kind of weird voltage through to the GPU and the GPU didn't like it and it panicked. And a bit of a harebrained theory, I know, based on pretty much <laughs> no actual facts or knowledge. But um, yeah, just had another one. So bang goes, right. bang goes that theory. You're determined to keep it running for for as long as you can now, aren't you? Pretty much, yeah. I don't, I don't thing is, I don't use it enough for the GPU panics to really annoy me that much. Um, if they were happening every ten minutes, then yeah, that would be a problem. But I can go for a couple of days sometimes without getting one. And I don't, like I say, I've got I've got the iMac. The iMac is where I do pretty much everything. And yeah, the MacBook is for if I go away or if I'm just sort of downstairs on on the sofa for a little bit. So it, it's got. The requirements on it are very, very low. So yeah, yeah, I, I don't really, I don't really mind it as long as the frequency of them kind of stay as they are right now. It, that's that's fine by me. Um, so yeah, it's got the new battery in it that turned up. It's actually kind of nice. It feels almost like having a new laptop again. Yeah, because you've got that sort of lifespan. Yeah. So I charged it fully on Friday. And I've got 60% battery left. That is after just kind of using it here and there and leaving it on sleep overnight. Now, normally leaving it on sleep just for one night would have drained its battery and I'd have woken up. If I'd have been lucky, there'd have been like maybe 4% left on the battery. And sometimes it would just die, right. die completely. So, yeah, it's it's kind of nice. I, w- I wonder how long that battery was going bad for. I tried kind of looking up on YouTube, like, why do lithium-ion batteries swell up? Because it really did swell badly. Um, mm. you, did you see the you saw the picture I put on Twitter yesterday? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, and I had a very similar incident with an old laptop. That didn't look good. That looked almost like fire hazard kind of level to me. Yeah. In fact, I should probably get rid of the battery. It's still in the house. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just sat on the side downstairs. But you can't you can't put them in the bin. You got to take them to a special kind of place, like a recycling place that can can take them uh yeah i think i think there's one local dump used to take them yeah i need to possibly go down there with it um but yeah by the you know i complained last week didn't i that that my trackpad felt sticky um and then sure enough by the time i got back home and started using the laptop on the monday or tuesday um my trackpad was basically kind of popped out of the chassis so at that point i was like oh okay right I think that's where the battery probably is then. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, the, the trackpad still works. Now, now the battery, my, my worry was that maybe it got damaged or could have damaged something else inside. Um, yeah, no, I, like so, I had a very, very similar incident with um, with my old MacBook Pro. Um, that was a um, pre-unibody model. So it was like it was early 2008, 2.4 um, gigahertz Core 2 Duo. Core 2 Duo. Get in, yeah. Get in <laughs> <laughs> with a little Nvidia, Nvidia card of some sort in there. Um, I think with two five six 
video RAM. That was important at the time. Was it? Um, was it? <laughs> uh, it was because I was using it for live vi- visuals. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I, how many layers of video that I could mix on it, and and how much the graphics card was was going to sort of take up that slack um, was important. But yeah, no, the battery on that swelled. Um, and did a very similar thing, I think. I remember the trackpad sort of being erratic. I'd just completely forgotten about it until you posted that picture, until you said, you know, um, yeah, putting two and two together, I should have said. Okay, so Dave, I think you've been having a look at search ads recently. Um, Is that with your, your app armchair? Yeah, that's right. I tried it initially a long time ago when the Apple gave us the credit to play with. And I think you did the same, didn't you, for one of your apps? I, I, I did, yeah. I briefly had a play with um, with my hologram app, Holovid. Suffice to say, I wasted all of the credit and now I've got to start paying with my own money, which is... Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I feel like I've learned quite a lot of lessons through it. To briefly summarise, there's two main ways that you can run your campaigns. There's what you call broad match and then there's exact match. Let's use um, Armchair as an example for all of what I'm about to talk about. So it's a remote control for Kodi. So one phrase that I would quite like to rank very highly for in the App Store is Kodi Remote because it gets quite a lot of searches. It's incredibly relevant to what the app is. um, So that's just a a good thing to be searching for. I ran a campaign and I had everything on broad match. But the problem was that meant that I was ranking for stuff that was completely irrelevant. For example, once the campaign had had enough time to run and there was some data, I could look at what search phrases people were putting into the app store to make my ad appear. For example, my app was appearing for when someone typed in Samsung TV remote and Fire Stick remote or Universal remote. But oh. so that that was that was the broad match picking up on the word remote and then just sticking it onto whatever phrase people typed in that happened to have the word remote in it. And you're paying for that when that happens. Yeah, I'm paying for that. Uh, we'll get onto that in a minute. <laughs> So, yeah, it's it's completely no good. Um, Therefore, people were tapping on the ad, and I get charged. And obviously, they realized that the app wasn't for them, um, regardless of how good Armchair is. Uh, (laughs) um, It's just not relevant to a Samsung TV remote user. So, therefore, it's just a a no-go. But what, what I think annoyed me the most about search ads is that there isn't, there isn't really any guidance on what you should be expecting to pay for a, a search phrase. I've used Google AdWords quite a bit, so if, if I can kind of compare and contrast it to that, when you run a Google AdWords campaign, you get an estimation from Google for the amount of searches per month on average that a search phrase is getting. And you also yep. get a sense of the level of competition, which tells you how many other people are sort of chasing after that phrase. So that's all really, really good informative data. And they also give you a rough idea of what you can expect to pay. With all that in mind, those three bits of information, the competition ranking, the number of searches per month, and what they think you should roughly be paying to rank for it, that's all good information that allows me to make a a good decision. With search ads, um, maybe you can recall this from when you started with uh, playing around with GoVJ. When you type in a, a search phrase, all you get is a bar that appears next to the the search phrase. And the length of that bar determines how popular the phrase is. And, and that's that's all you get. Yeah, so you can kind of compare different phrases against each other. 
yeah, relative to each other. But then it's kind of like you can't really draw much from that. It, so you, you can't make an informed decision with that? Not really. It just basically tells you that you should be probably paying more for this versus that. So for Kodi Remote, it came, it came up with a, a reasonably long bar relative to loads of little tiny short ones next to some obscure phrases that it suggested. That doesn't tell me how many people are actually searching for Kodi Remote each month. That would be a really useful piece of data for me to just know in general. Um, it doesn't tell me how many other people are going after that phrase, nor does it tell me what I should expect to pay. Right. So then it gives you an opportunity to say how much you're willing to pay per tap. Yeah. And I'm always just a bit like, well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously I'd rather pay really little, but equally I need to get be paying enough to ensure that i'm getting impressions to convert those into taps and then hopefully convert the taps into downloads um so it's yeah it's just kind of it all feels a bit like trial and error um, and you compare it to adwords and it's it's really not a good system i would argue mm. fair enough adwords has had years and years and years and years to to build up to where it has from from a from the point of view of running and managing the campaigns it's it's got it's got a lot to be desired i would say is that the, the only way that you can set it up as far as to sort of do this, that broad search uh, no. So what I've done, I I ran a broad search campaign um, and then when that basically ran out of budget, I just set it to like 25 quid and I was like, when it runs out, just stop. And I, I just wanted to see, just see what happens with it, basically. It was as much yeah. an, an experiment for me as, as anything else. I figured I'd set aside a little bit of budget and just, just play with it and get to know the system and, and, and learn, basically. So then I have started another campaign, but this time I'm using what's called Exact Match. So that means that the user has to type in the exact phrase that I say I want to bid for. So I'm going after Kodi Remote. So yeah. the user has to type in to the App Store search Kodi Remote or my ad will not show. If they do Remote for Kodi or Remote Control for Kodi or, or any other, it, it just won't work. It has to be Kodi Remote, end of. So the end result of that is I'm getting less taps and less impressions, but the quality of those taps and impressions I am getting is way, way higher. Um, so that's that's really good. I'm, I'm pleased with that. Um, there is one other thing you can do. They do a thing called search match. And the way I kind of think of it is, this is kind of like a bit of an equivalent to AdWords Express. AdWords Express is kind of where you just tell AdWords to just do whatever the hell it wants, and you just give it some money. Um, so I think this is very <laughs> similar in that Apple will kind of intelligently match your ads to users automatically without you having to do anything. And, and again, right. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of naturally cautious with stuff like this because it kind of makes the process sort of like a black box where you've got little to no control. Um, and, and in the case of Apple and Google, think about what their end game is. It's They want to try and make money from you. Yes. And I, I would much rather do my research and diligently manage my campaigns rather than just hand it all over and, and hope. So I'm, yeah. I'm not really, not really, I don't know. When, when I ran my broad match campaign, I also had search match turned on. And yeah, it, it didn't really go so well. So this time I've just got exact match turned on and search, search match turned off. Interesting though, looking back through um, the search terms that people have used to to find me it gives you you know where i say I'm about samsung tv remote fire stick remote all that kind of stuff it's really useful data to see what people are searching for annoyingly though sometimes it would just give in brackets low volume search terms which is just and just sort of not give you that info yeah so you, you can see what's some of what people are searching for which is great and then you just get low volume search terms and i'm just like why don't you just tell me what they are yeah can you not can you not just list them like say 
say there's like 20 low volume search terms within this sort of label that you've given them could i not just click through and see what they are just just tell me i'm like i'm kind of the one paying so <laughs> if, yeah. if you could just tell and, me tell and me. you don't know yeah um you don't know though because within those low volume search terms could be ones that you absolutely should be doing an exact match on yeah exactly um so yeah i kind of feel like if, if i could just be told what they are regardless of how relevant apple thinks they are to me um given that i'm the one writing the check just tell me what they are then i can make the most informed decision possible even if it only affects my decision making by like point zero 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 one percent, just tell me, and and so at least I know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's basically where I've got to um, to break down my kind of first campaign where I had broad match on. Like I said, I gave myself a budget of twenty five pounds. Around eighteen pounds of that I calculated was wasted taps. That's where I was coming up for nonsense like Samsung, smart TV remote, LG TV remote, Fire Stick remote, all the rest of it. Now I've switched to, I mean, that's quite a lot of money as well, £18 just to basically waste out of 25. That's a high percentage of just irrelevant ads appearing. Now I've switched to exact match. That means my conversion rate has, um, or my, my, my tap, sorry, have gone down and my impressions have gone down. But my conversion rate is good. My conversion rate of those that tap is around 40%. And right. my average cost per acquisition is 30 pence. So It's not bad at all. Yeah. This is where I start doing some math, so and it begins to fall apart pretty quickly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was going to say, it's not bad provided that that 30 pence can be taken up with what you then actually make off those users. Yeah. So in-app purchase rates vary between, for me anyway, on armchair between five and ten percent roughly so let's say a hundred users will cost me 30 pounds if they're 30 pence a piece to acquire via search ads yeah my in-app purchase is currently 9.99 so five in-app purchases at five percent of those 100 users gives me 35 pounds after apple's 30 percent. so that means i've spent 30 quid on ads and after apple take their 15 quid cut of the 50 pounds i make i'm left with 35 so that means i make five pounds <laughs> yeah and that's and you've had a hundred people through the door to sort of get there yeah um if you look at things more optimistically let's say i have a really good day and i get an in-app purchase rate of 10 percent. that gives me 70 pounds of um money after apple take their 30 pounds of the 100 and that means i make 40 pounds which is mm. a little bit better but it's uh it's, it's not it's a tricky one yeah <clears throat> because those with those um numbers going this route um to acquire customers you are making on your first sort of set of numbers you're making five pence per user essentially um given the conversion rate per hundred yeah yeah, so if you average that out, that, that, that five pounds, and divide that over the hundred that's come through the door to get it, it's, it's five pence per per head, sort of from the top of the funnel. Yeah. Um, because, I, and that's a, a way of looking at it, because the the users that are, the customers that are paying um, and becoming customers rather than just users, um, they're supporting everybody else. 
you know so it's, it, the, the thing there to look for i think is is how quickly you're you're going to burn your potential market as well for potentially not a lot of, of return yeah yeah so i mean on the one hand it's it's positive so it is actually throw this money in the top of the funnel you will make something it's just that for for a niche app that's uh, probably a tricky game to be playing it does seem like that and some days i mean i know i say it averages between five and ten percent some days you just won't get anyone mm. um so if that correlates with a day that you've actually spent quite a bit on search ads and you get nothing it's like that has actually cost you it's when you sort of average it out over a longer period of time that you can sort of draw these five to ten percent ish ratios you have to give people time to um, make a purchase as well. So you've had that lead time on getting them through the door. They've come that, that, that route from the app store, seeing the ad installed the app. They may, the, the in-app purchase may come quite a way down the line. Yeah, that's, that's also true. Yeah. Um, although that will probably be an interesting metric to, to try and track in one way or another potentially one that you might be able to track through something like uh, fabric yeah actually i'm I'm integrating um firebase at the moment yep um because i'm going to be running some adwords campaigns as well and by using firebase obviously it comes from google you can link that back to your adwords account so then you can track conversions via google search results that go through to the app store that download the app and it all ties up neatly yeah um so I think also Firebase tracks in-app purchases. So, yeah, I haven't actually, that metric you describe, as in like the date of install versus the date of in-app purchase, what's the average period of time, the duration. Yeah. Um, don't know if it will do that. I mean, I guess it. I could configure it to do it manually, certainly. Um, that, yeah, that would be a yeah, very totally. useful piece of data to have. Um, because I know on, um, <clears throat> on Google Analytics, you would um, potentially send an event through um, to sort of say, okay, in-app purchase has just been made. Um, and you could track as a custom dimension with that call. Um, you could track the um, how long the, the user has had the app installed for. Uh-huh. You know, if you're tracking from within the app, if you're using, you can get libraries to do this, but you could just use a you know, NS defaults and, and track sort of date of, of um, first use of the app. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, you can get into sort of tracking, okay, well, how... Essentially, what you're looking for is to try and figure out how old are they um, at the point at which they hit that that purchase button as, as users. Um, because that having that information can kind of lead you to, um, to sort of where you present um, your in-app purchases as well, I guess, in terms of if you're sort of thinking, okay, well, you might find out that 80 percent or so of your your sales are sort of happening from people who've had the app for five minutes you know and that 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 could could sort of dictate how you show the things that they can buy yeah that's that's an interesting point because i've got a i present during the onboarding process at the end after everything's worked out and hopefully the user's in a good mood because they're now connected and it's all working um yeah i then kind of be like hey you can unlock if you want and get premium and this that and the other or you can just say, that's nah, all right. Um, very few people use that. So I suspect it's, well, I don't suspect, I know that it's coming from people that go into the setting screen at a later date and be like, yeah, okay, now I'm going to unlock the premium features. Right. So on that basis, maybe there's, 
better ways I can be displaying that kind of thing throughout the app as opposed to burying it in the setting screen. Yeah, potentially. Um, just to sort of get that, that conversion up. Um, it's um, it's the sort of thing, though, that I think you're only really going to know once you're tracking a few things. And then, again, equally, you're only really going to know once you've kind of done some iteration and a bit of sort of before and after um, with the app itself. Yeah. So, you know, trialing trialing where certain things are shown um, and just checking your stats when that version goes live versus when you didn't have it and, you know, maybe then tweaking something else and checking it afterwards as well. Mm. Um, but, yeah, Firebase, I think, should should really help for that because I think that that's going to be a route towards you um, getting the type of data that, that you're not going to get from Apple. Seems that way, doesn't um, it? Yeah, yeah, and and I think you you were sort of saying before you've had more experience and I think more success with with AdWords, um, sort of broadly. Um, is is that sort of within within other sort of arenas, um, other than Armchair? Is is that with with kind of your your oh right development yeah. business and that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, sure, exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, so it totally makes sense to to sort of have a go and bring bring that into the app as well. I mean, to give you a um, sense of context, um, I looked up on Google AdWords the amount of people that search for the phrase Kodi Remote and it gets nearly, I think it's 10,000 a month. Right. So that's a useful piece of data that I wish Apple would give me. But, um, <laughs> now, again, to yeah. be fair, not all of that's going to be quality traffic because when you say the word Kodi Remote, that doesn't necessarily mean a Kodi Remote that runs on an iPhone. That could be... You know, like an actual traditional television remote and all sorts of stuff comes up in the search results when you Google for that. Um, yeah. But nevertheless, that's, that's a good piece of data to have. And there's sim- you can get that same data for various other phrases, such as iPhone Kodi remote or Kodi remote for iOS and on and on and on. Um, yeah. It, yeah. To me, it feels like search ad isn't giving me the data I need to make the best decision. It feels like it's pretty good at swallowing up my money. Um, yep. and I think I've got it as near to my, I've tried to use search ads as closely to how I would run an AdWords campaign. And that's where I've got it to now. And this is where, like I say, yeah, the, whether I make five pounds at 5% or 40 pounds at a 10% in that purchase rate, that's kind of where, where that's pointing now. Um, yeah. And it, yeah, it just kind of makes me wonder whether it's, really that feasible given that realistically the five percent in app purchase rate is probably the most realistic um, um it's kind of a lot of money to be chucking into a system to get so little out especially when even that five percent isn't necessarily guaranteed and, yeah. and that, all, that brings kind of cash flow issues for me as well as a, as a small indie dev you know i can't be chucking loads of money in search ads constantly especially no, when I, there's I mean, no guarantee good. of it coming out Slash no, you, you, you're all. getting very, very close. So you're getting very close to um, kind of paying to play rather than the other way around, and that's that's really not the idea. Mm. Um, I think is it will be interesting to after having this conversation, to sort of see how um, how you get on with bringing in AdWords and linking everything in through Firebase. 
because I, I suspect I think you can do better than that percent. I think you can do better than five percent with that. Um, just gut feel, you know, sort of thinking about well, how many people are actually starting off in Google, then bouncing through to the App Store, and then potentially seeing your search ad or not, and then coming through that route as well. Mm. Um, is this going to be a potential way of just sort of getting uh, capturing people? Um, further up the funnel um, and with a, a sort of broader reach, uh, I think I think you may get that with, with doing AdWords. Yeah, so one of, the, um, one of the other things I've been working on the last couple of days is a YouTube video. Um, a YouTube video with my voice in it, which is weird. <laughs> <laughs> I... I I, st- I started trying to make a, a YouTube video just to quickly kind of demo the main features of, of the app. Yeah. Mostly because I want to write off to people and be like, hey, here's my app. Maybe you want to take a look. Um, and I figure rather than writing a big, long, boring email describing all the features, and I mean, no one's going to read that. So I figured I'd just be like, if you've got two minutes, just watch this video and it'll run you through the app. And then you can make a call on whether you think it's something you might be into or not. Yeah. Um, so that got me looking into YouTube as well and looking at some of the views that videos similar to what I've made are getting is crazy. Some of them are getting like 50,000 views, a hundred thousand views right. in, in the space of like a year. Again, this is all telling me that there's something here. There's like a, an audience that wants to be served almost. Yeah. Uh, so the video I think is going to serve two purposes. A, it's going to serve, um, you know, going out to potential reviewers and people in the press, uh, various YouTubers, people that run home theatre enthusiast sites, things like that. So it's something I can just pop a link in an email to them that they can watch. Uh, also, there's it seems to be quite a big market for people looking up this kind of stuff on YouTube. Um, phrases such as how to control Cody with your iPhone or seems to be, there seems to be a lot of videos out there targeted at those kind of phrases so i figured i'd kind of throw my hat into the ring there and see what happens i mean some of these videos like i say are getting between 50 and 100 thousand views and they've only been on youtube for like um like a year i think yeah have a look have a quick look now so it's interesting and these are what tutorial videos or product videos kind of a bit of both so there's one here that was two years ago it was one year ago it was put up, sorry. Um, how to control Cody with your iPhone or iPad. That's had 24,000 views. So it's kind of half instructional, half promoting an app. So it's um, one of the one of my competitors, basically. They've used that as the, as the, as the app to show you how to control Cody with your iPhone. Yep. Um, there's a couple of other ones. This uh, is... Again, 100, 193,000 views, 7,000 views... Four and a half thousand views, fifty-one thousand views. Right. So a, this is quite interesting because I think um, you've said before you've had a lot of cases where people have um, struggled with getting things sort of set up with Cody. You've had to put yep. a lot of time into sort of the onboarding and getting people you know, up to speed with what they need to do to actually make it work. Um, and I do wonder whether some of those people. Um, who found it difficult or, or just needed to get their head around sort of some of the initial setup. Um, that's potentially one place they're, they're going to. 
Yeah, so it's funny you should say that. I made one video um, that, that is on YouTube right now, um, although it hasn't had any views yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is kind of, I've called it how to remote control Cody with your iPhone. Right. Um, and it just kind of runs through the app and hopefully sort of pitches my app as to why it's different than the others and what why I made decisions that I made while making it, that kind of thing. Um, I'm making a second one, which is almost done, about how to set it up. Yeah. So again, that can maybe capture a few people on YouTube, like how to set up your iPhone to work with Cody. Because there seems to be two flavors of videos that other people have made. There's how to control your Cody setup with your iPhone, which basically is kind of an app being demoed. Yeah. And what it can do. Then there's other ones on how to set up and how to configure that kind of thing. Yeah. So my second video is going to be sort of going after that bit, which will, because as I've said on this podcast before and in all my support docs, that regardless of the app you download, you do need to tweak some bits in Kodi to allow an app to connect to it, to remote yeah. control it. So again, my video can sort of A, highlight my onboarding process because I think it's pretty neat, so it's nice to show that off. Um, (laughs) Secondly, it can be like, and by the way, you need to do all this stuff in Kodi. Don't forget to do this, otherwise it will never work. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to be doing that one. That should hopefully go out maybe tomorrow. Um, And also I was thinking, on my support page, it's quite wordy. And you know what people are like? They don't like reading. I don't like reading too many big walls of text. Yeah. So I could just embed that video and maybe that will help out some people as well. That's awesome. And otherwise I, struggle. I think there's, um, again, there's something there in terms of, of how people are sort of searching for help now. Um, and I think YouTube is sort of a big deal for that side of things. Um, I can think to a few examples sort of from my own day today, but last weekend I needed to change a headlight bulb on my car. Um, pretty much one of the first things I did was look for that on YouTube, that particular make and model of car, um, even sort of started to tweet my search terms to sort of find the right year. Um, cause the, the year that the car was made is important cause they changed how they, um, built them in this fairly old car. Um, and there was a change to, to that model in 2008. So I needed to find before that, but anyway, I found how to do this in a couple of YouTube videos um, where I could see somebody else um, opening up the bonnet. Everything was, you know, okay, that looks the same as, as my car. I can see the, the, the same bits and everything. Um, and that, that showed me how to sort of get, get it sorted. Um, yeah. I, a manual wasn't going to help me <laughs> in terms of, of that sort of information. You know, this is very much a, a, I just needed to see somebody else do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I get that. Yeah. And to have the commentary as well, the, you know, commentary of, Oh yeah, put your hand here, do this there, because that bit's a bit difficult there. And, you know, it was literally a hands-on video and, um, that, that helped me get it done. Um, uh-huh. so I, I don't know. I, I, I think, um, yeah, there is something there in terms of, of providing help for this particular part that you know is tricky with your app and with Kodi setups in general. Um, providing that help back to your potential customers 
is potentially going to get a few more through the door. Yeah, I feel like it's just a win on a lot of fronts. It's a yeah. win in that it's a, a video I can send to people that might be interested in reviewing the app. Because, um, again, they probably don't want to read a huge email from me. They'd rather watch a two-minute video. Yeah, um, It's a win in that I can maybe pick up some organic traffic on YouTube of people that are just interested in thinking about using their iPhone to control Cody. Uh, and it's a win in that, like you say, people might look at it as a means of support and it's something I can drop into my support page as well for those yes. who don't want to read all the text. So, yeah, a bit of a no-brainer, really. I'll be interested to to see how it works out. Okay, that's a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes or if you're in Overcast, if you could hit that star button to recommend us, that'd be fantastic. Um, also, just a reminder, we have our Slack channel and you're more than welcome to join if you'd like to. There'll be instructions in the show notes or you can reach out to us on Twitter at WFR Podcast and we'll get you signed up. So before we run off, Dave, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at DW Roboheads. That's Roboheads for the Z at the end. Um, you can find my applications at roboheads.com. Again, that's roboheads with the Z at the end. How about you, Dave? Yeah, on Twitter, you can find me at underscore Dave Not. You can find my remote control for Cody at armchair-remote.com. And my app to help kids learn to read is at spacereaders.com. 